almost that time. We're gearing up for our ELC Trunk or Treat. Also, too, just a reminder, we are accepting candy donations as well. So make sure you invite your friends and family and come hang out with us for our ELC Trunk or Treat. See you guys there. Don't miss service November 9th, as our very special guest will be international preacher and communicator Elson Jones. Elson comes to us from the Dominican Republic and will be with us for one service only. All right, so we got a few announcements there. You can hit those lights again. Real quick, uh, we have our Trunk or Treat coming up this Friday night. And it, this is our, I think it's our third year doing our Halloween outreach. And last year we had such a phenomenal time with that. So uh, we really need your help for this. I do want to make a correction on the announcement. There is no need for candy donations. We're just asking that every family just provide their own candy. It'd be like as if you were handing it out at your, at your house anyway. So just bring it and, and do that here. Before I go more into that, if you're joining us for the very first time here at Elevate Life Church, just slip up a hand. We just want to welcome you. You real quick if we have any first-time visitors anybody here for the very first time okay wow that hasn't happened in quite a while all right well uh, before I go on anymore in the service what we have in the back is we have a sign-up table and we are needing and believing for about 15 to 20 uh, families or singles or spots to make the trunk or treat a success and uh, as I was talking to law enforcement because I work with cops and clergy and there was somebody telling us telling me how uh, much they appreciate that we do events like this in this area uh, on Halloween because a lot of the crazy stuff that goes on, it provides the families a great safe place to come and get a lot of candy. And uh, as you know, we do uh, costume contests and all that kinds of things. So we're needing your help. And I know so many of you guys have said, yeah, I'm going to be there. But we only have like five people that have signed up right now. And so I know that's only because we just forget to do it. So we're going to take a moment right now to have a brief intermission. Everybody stand on your feet. And if you're able to come out and be a part of the trunk or treat, it doesn't take much. We want you to go ahead and make your way over to the sign up table. Not only that, but give me some of those flyers right there. I want you to also go to the front table and we have these awesome flyers to hand out. You could take to work or school to let people know what's going on here. People are always looking for safe things for their kids. So if you could take a few moments, DJ, if you could throw some intermission music on for us, Wicked, wicked. No, I'm just joking. Uh, and just go ahead and make your way over there if you haven't signed up yet. And don't forget, the winner of the best spot wins an iPad. Uh, an iPad. So make sure you put all you're all into it. Last year, our winners were the Guitarist family, and they've been talking a lot of trash, a lot of trash. And so please, we're asking somebody take them out this year, okay? Because pride goes before fall, David. I'm just saying. All right. So go ahead and make your way over to the table if you haven't signed up. Up. And also go grab some flyers. Everybody take a few flyers that you can hand out and, and get that over there. Make sure we okay. get those passed out. And I know Elizabeth and some of the team are uh, have been hitting this area here at Samuel Kennedy and uh, David Reese and then Rudder this week they'll hit. So uh, we're spreading the word and help us spread the word. Here's another thing. Spread the word on social media. I'm telling you right now, use your Facebook for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Tell the person next to you, use your Facebook for the kingdom. I know they're going to get mad because they think it's about just posting what I'm eating on a Saturday night, what my cat's doing, you know. I mean, come on. 
that's all good. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, you want to keep posting your selfies and all that. Show everybody how good you look. <laughs> whatever. Uh, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But, you know, whatever. That's fine. OK, that's all good. I do it, too. I post fun stuff on there. But understand social media is also your voice. It's your voice. And, and, and if you can't promote, people should at least, at least know what church you go to on Facebook. Got real quiet up in this place real quick. OK, people should at least know that because we don't do undercover Christianity here. Amen. Amen. Come on, James Bond. We expect their gadget. You, you, you undercover. You nobody knows you go to church. Everybody should know at least on Facebook where you go to church. And so use that to be your voice to point people in the right direction, especially on a night like Halloween. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, our ladies, we want to welcome back the ladies that went to El Paso. Yeah. Praise God. Partying it up over there and, uh, you know, eating a lot. Hey, that's what you do. It's Texas. You got to get that barbecue. You got to go to Rudy's. I saw the ladies went to Rudy's barbecue and, and they don't even have plates at Rudy's. They just throw it on a tray. Uh, it's so good. And then you went to the legendary Chico's Tacos. Uh, some of the ladies, how was that? Anybody like that? It was different. I saw they put a lot of sauce on stuff. Never had that, but I have heard about it and stuff. So they had a lot of good things, but also I know they were in service for three days solid with some of the greatest uh, women speakers in the world, Bobby Houston, Christine Kane, uh, uh, one of the Osteen, April Simmons Osteens was there. And so I just want my wife to just come and share a little bit about the trip, and then we're going to take a couple testimonies. So give it up for her as she comes. It was a huge blessing being able to be there. Like Pastor Sergio said, we're under some of the greatest speakers in the world today. Pastor Bobby Houston, they're doing amazing things in Australia and reaching that nation for Christ. And um, she does not accept invitations to speak at other conferences. And so this is a first for her to come to the United States and speak for someone else. Um, but that's how much they believe in our pastors and the vision of what they're doing there. Um, one of my uh, highlights, one of my favorite things that happened, um, um, you guys know that we do the girls' night out. We have one sisterhood of Sacramento here, and that's because of the Neemans, um, our pastors, their influence in our life, and um, wanting to take part in um, blessing people the way that they do. And so that's why we do girls' night out. And one of the things that um, they're doing, um, girls' night out, and One Sisterhood, the purpose of it is bringing women together to empower them, women of all walks of life, young and old, um, any, any race, any, any, from any, any type of life to come together and bring, bring us together, use our influence to make a difference in our communities, to, to do good. We were created to do good. That's our purpose, is to do good things. And so that's what One Sisterhood is about. And one of their newest things that they're going to do is um, provide scholarships for young women. And they gave their first scholarship away while we were there at the church. And it, not just paying for the college, but full ride, paying for living expenses, paying for her books, all expenses that she needs to go to college, full, all the way to the end. Whatever her desires are, they didn't give her a limit. Said, whatever your desires are, it's paid in full. That girl went into shock. I know I would have went into shock too. But how incredible is that, that the church can come together and empower women to make a difference in our communities. We should be, we should feel the support and empowerment to go out and do positive things as women. And so that was just amazing for me to um, hear our pastor get on stage and vocalize that, that we 
we value the women. We value your place. We value your influence to the body and to this world. And we need you. We need you to rise up and be confident and know that you can do good things. And when we come together to do good things, how much greater of a difference we can make. And so that was just so powerful. I was bawling. And um, I talked to Pastor Shannon myself after just letting her know how much that moved me. And she did let me know that in the future, uh, we will, as a chapter of One Sisterhood, will be able to submit applications for some of our girls to go to college and could possibly receive one of those scholarships. So, man, that's amazing. And um, uh, one of the messages that was uh, preached there that really ministered to me was by Pastor Charles. And he talked about, um, you know, um, you know, when you plant a seed in the ground, if you plant an apple seed, what's going to bear on that for that tree? Apples. If you plant a pear, what's going to come out? Pears. When you plant carrot seeds, what's going to come out? So he talked about everything producing after its own kind. If I plant a carrot seed, I'm not going to get cabbage from that seed. I'm going to get what the seed that I that I planted. So everything produces after its own kind. That's in that type of world and in our lives. And so knowing, you guys know my testimony and knowing some of the things that I've come out of, that's been an issue in my life and realizing like my parents have planted some really bad seeds in my life and, and struggling with having the faith that I could produce different in my life than what was planted on the inside of me because everything produces after its own kind. And Pastor Charles preached a message and shared the, um, in the, the parable about the talents. You know, the master had gave one one of his uh, servants one talent and then he gave another servant five talents and then he gave another servant ten talents and he goes through and tells a story about how each of those people used those talents and then when the master came back they were all giving account to what they had done and the one servant that took the one talent said to the master I knew you were harsh reaping where you have not sown and so I dug a hole and I hid that talent and God you know the, the master rebuked him and said, you, you're right, I do reap where I haven't sown, and you should have done something with it. And we can apply that to our lives and understanding like, good things were not sown in my life. But I'm responsible for what I have in my hands today. I am responsible. I have the power to sow or to give what I have, whether it's good or bad, to God and trust God and knowing that he's faithful. And so I'm going to plant good seed. I'm going to plant. I'm going to serve. I'm going to, everything that I have, all the seeds that were sown into my life, I give them to God because God can reap out of me what has not been sown. He can pull the things out of my life that were not sown that I desire so that I can give to my kids, so that I can be conscious of the seeds that I'm sowing in my children's lives and know that what I'm reaping out of my life is because God has can reap can produce out of me what has not been sown so that was amazing that was life-changing for me um an awesome blessing you know for me to hear that word and and I know a lot of our women were ministered to and I just wanted to invite Evelyn to come up and share a little bit what she received and I just, inc- I'm so proud of our women. We had, we took 13 women. Stand up if you went with me. Stand up. Let's give it up for them because they sacrificed. They, um, it was a lot of money to go. And they stepped out and went. And that was a big deal. And God was faithful, was he not? He was faithful. So I encourage you, we're going to go again next year. If you would like to go, please start making plans and provisions to go because it is so worth it. Thank you. 
Um, I want to share two things. One thing I learned before I went, which was um, when we have to we had to give our last payment. Um, I was struggling financially. I'm not working. My husband's the only one working. Oh, you can't sing me behind the. I know. <laughs> Short people problems. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so um, on the Sunday that I had to give my last payment, I had the payment and I had the tithes, right? So I was like, if I keep one of these, I could pay my bills because I, I had some bills I couldn't pay. And um, it was so easy to tell my husband, don't worry, God's got it. You know, don't worry, give me the tithes, give me the money, God's got it. But when I had to put it in the envelope, I was like, um, maybe I shouldn't give my tithes. We'll make up for it later on. And I was struggling, and I didn't give my tithes until I left, actually. And so I ended up giving my tithes, and on there I wrote bills to be paid. And when I got home, I got a phone call from somebody. Um, he's like, hey, um, Israel's not answering. I wanted to come over. I was like, well, come over at 4.30. Israel's going to be here after work. I was like, don't eat. Just come and eat with us. He's like, all right. And he got there. Um, to make it short, he got there. He's like, hey, I have some money that I owed you. And we let him borrow money probably like six years ago. And he was supposed to pay it back in a month. <laughs> and we never saw him. We never saw him. And I told Israel, I was like, forget it. Just don't even count on that money. And he came that day and he gave me that money. Wow. And that money paid, awesome. covered all my bills, wow. paid for the, money, the expenses I had to take over there, and it paid a credit card. So God over money. <laughs> and the second thing is um, Bobby Houston was preaching about relaxing. Just relax in God. Don't worry about the future. God already knows what's going to happen. He's in the future looking back at us saying, just come. Stop hesitating. Just come. And what I learned was I need to stop worrying about when I'm going to have my family. So stop asking because God knows when I'm going to have it. Just want to say that. God knows when I'm going to have my family. God knows when I'm going to have my job. So relax in God because God is in control. Thank you. Um, thank you guys for praying for us. <laughs> thank you for praying for us and covering us while we were away. Um, we really appreciate your prayers. We felt them. And so, God bless you guys. Amen. Amen. Great testimony. Yeah, I just really want to commend the women that stepped out and went too. You know, sometimes you got to reach for the blessing. You know, you got to do something. You got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to believe God and get it. And I know God did some great things in their lives. But I also want to give props to the dads out there that hold, held it down. All right. Especially you guys with babies. Pastor Cheeto, Arnold. Whoo, who else had a baby that went? Michael. Uh, Michael held it down. He had a little help, though. I saw his Facebook. I saw Facebook. I saw Facebook. <laughs> Nah, but for real, still, even that, even with help, it's still, it's still tough. And so I just want to commend the dads out there and, and the fellas that had to hold it down. I saw pictures of Rob. He had a table for four. He did babysitting and his kids with his wife out of town. So, yeah, we've got some men in the house because that's what men do. Amen? Amen? Men do that, all right? Boys so nah, say, nah, baby, you can't go. <laughs> You can't go because I, I can't take care of all this. No, no, no. Men say, I got this. 
Amen. I got this. All right. So I'm proud of the guys for handling that. Amen. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14. Let's jump right into the word today. And again, we will see you guys on Friday. Don't forget, it's going to be an awesome time. I can't wait to see the costumes that we have last year. We've had so many different creative things. People dressed up as angry birds, as you saw in the video. And they were angry all night, too. I, I don't know if they got in a fight on the way there or what. But uh, they, they, they got really got into that. No, I'm joking. We had Sons of Anarchy a couple years, you know, with the Valdez brothers here. And, and uh, although you guys should have probably been the Mayans, uh, might have been a better costume. Ray should have been, what's the guy's name? Anyways, all right, let's keep moving. But uh, we're talking about the dark side today. Amen. And uh, uh, I'm so thankful for Pastor Mark and the word he brought. The word world needs us. But I want to take you right back into this this series here that we're talking about, because I think it's very valuable to talk about the dark side. And the reason it's very valuable is because we're in a season right now where people try to ascribe Halloween as the devil's day. And as I've said before, we don't give the devil any day. We don't give him an hour, a minute or anything. Uh, uh, and so that's why we're going to be out there loving on folks on Halloween. OK, and many people, you know, they uh, Christians, you know, they like to get mad about stuff. You know, well, why is your church doing this and blah, blah. Listen, we don't we're not in celebration of Halloween. Because the, the root of the celebration of Halloween is death, yes. And I, I do want to charge you parents, man, even as you're dressing up your kids. It's okay, dress them up, but have a line. We believe what we believe, amen? 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 amen. So, you know, we don't, we don't put our kids in witch outfits. You know, you, you, you dress your kid as a witch and then you wonder why they're so rebellious when they get older. We put a, we, we, you know, my, my, my sons dress up, but they ain't zombies. Come on. Amen. Amen. We ain't I'm putting them in little baby Dracula. Come on. And let me tell you why we don't do that. It's because we don't celebrate death. This is this is helping somebody here. We don't celebrate death. Yes, we have a freedom in Christ. Yes, we don't have to be worried that God's going to get mad at you if you dress your kids up. We are not that church. There's plenty of them out there. But we should still have convictions. Can I get an amen? Amen. So don't put demon horns on your kid and send them out to get candy and talk about I'm a Christian. So there's got to be some kind of line. Amen? Amen. Raider fans don't wear chief jerseys. (laughs) He said, say that again. Amen. We don't do that. Niners don't go out and buy Seattle Seahawks gear. Amen. I'm helping somebody today. Why? Because that's the enemy. (laughs) It's the enemy. So just because it's Halloween, don't send your little kid out with blood on his lips and, you know, don't celebrate death. Amen. This is just this wisdom. It's a little help for you. But if you want to put him in a little uh, outfit, he wants to be a transformer or Spider-Man or whatever, that's fine. Amen. All right. Let me get off my uh, I'm just trying to help people here. But we're talking about the dark side. And I wanted to just bring some balance to this, because a lot of churches, when they talk about the dark side of the enemy, they always want to talk about how how great and evil Satan is. And if you're not careful, he's going to get you and witches and and people can curse you and all these things. But they always fall away from the fact that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. God is greater than anything. Okay. Uh, and, and, and too many times we have this mentality that Satan is the opposite of God. He's not, there is no opposite of God. 
You know, we used to do this with our Bible school students. We used to say, uh, you know, what's the opposite of black? They would say white. What is the opposite of dark? They would say light. What is the opposite of God? And right away they'd say Satan. He is not the opposite of God. He's nowhere near. He is a speck on the radar. Okay. He is not the opposite of God. There is no opposite of God. But what he does represent is darkness. And darkness is out there. And darkness has power. But listen, the only darkness that the, the only power that darkness has is the power that you give it. So we we started this a couple weeks ago, and I just want to review a couple of scriptures for you. Look up on the screen here, Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 17. It is the talks about this the fall of Satan, and it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, here it is, the gateway to dark to darkness in your life. You have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne before the stars of God. I also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see your, you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? who shook the kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners. So what we see there is the birthplace of evil comes from a place where you're self-consumed, selfishness. Satan was somebody that got taken over by the eye disease. I, 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 it was all about him. Now look at Ezekiel 28. We read this a couple weeks ago. Ezekiel's uh, prophesying here about the king of Tyre, but then he goes into Eden and starting to talk about the similarities between him and Satan. He says in verse 12, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Here's how we know he's talking about Satan. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers and I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of your fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So Satan covered the throne of God. He was in the presence of the almighty God. And in the midst of the presence of God, instead of being consumed with God's presence, he started bringing his focus to himself. And people, this is the key right here uh, to keeping darkness out of our lives is we've got to learn to live selfless rather than selfish. Let me keep reading. By the abundance of your trading, we're going to talk about that today. You became filled with violence within you and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God or the presence of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze, on, gaze at you. Who's, who are the kings he's talking about? Us. Don't ever get this thing twisted that, oh, Satan's, oh, he's, he's over you. No, he's not. Children of the king, we have authority over the devil. He is under our feet. 
We can go anywhere and not be afraid. I don't care if you're facing witches, warlocks. I don't care if you're in Africa. All these situations that, that these things are real. The Bible says he's under our feet. Let's keep going. Verse 18, you defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity, here it is again, of your trading. And I'll talk about that today. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. And I want to read this to you as I lay the foundation here. Luke chapter 10, 17, Jesus says this. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. And he said this to them in verse 18. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now for the anointing. I thank you for the supernatural ability to communicate your word, Lord. And I pray that every hindrance to us hearing your word in this room right now would be bound and broken in Jesus' name. Open up our hearts and our minds that you might speak to us and protect us and set us free from the darkness in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So this is my motive for sharing this with you guys, because Satan has no power over us. But yet we find darkness in our lives and darkness is not supposed to be in our lives. Light is supposed to be in our lives. But how does darkness get in our lives if Jesus tells us you're over it? You have power over it. The answer is simple. The answer is we let it in. We open the door to it. We actually allow it to come through. You say, well, how do we do that, Pastor? Well, we do that through our own ignorance. Ignorance. Okay. many times when you see darkness in the Bible, it is not just talking about when the lights are out. Amen. I've talked about this before. In other words, when it calls Satan the prince of darkness, it doesn't mean when it's nighttime, he, he rules everything. You know, it doesn't mean that when you go to bed, and you turn off the lights. Oh, my gosh, the prince of darkness reigns now. Oh, but you turn the lights on. Oh, and there's the prince of peace. There's the light of the world. Jesus Christ. That's not what it's talking about. In the Hebrew, it literally one of the words for darkness means ignorance. And in the Hebrew, one of the words for knowledge or for light means knowledge. So you could almost say this when it says Satan is the prince of darkness. He's the prince of ignorance. So what you don't know can hurt you. Amen. It's not this thing, well, ignorance is bliss. No, what you don't know can hurt you. That's why we need to go to churches like this one where we're not just heaping and a hollering and getting you all stirred up and we ain't saying nothing. No, we got to teach the word of God. We ain't got time for that. We ain't got time to just get you feeling good. I got to teach you something. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> you know, no, no, no. If you leave here just as dumb as you came, it don't matter if we got all excited and we sweated and ran around the building. Why? Because our enemy is ignorance. Yeah, right. Amen. 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 And, I, and I don't mind preaching like that. I'll, I'll get it going if you want. But if I do, I'm going to say something. <laughs> and I'm not, I don't mean to throw stones. Some of you got, got flashbacks from your old church or anything. That's fine. I love getting it going. And when I travel, uh, you don't ever know what's going to come out. But our enemy is ignorance. And so we've got to learn some things. Amen. Amen. 
So one of the one of the ways we let darkness into our life is through our ignorance. That's why you cannot afford to not read your Bible. You cannot afford to not listen to preaching because what you don't know is destroying you. The Bible's clear. Our, my people are perished because of lack of knowledge, lack of vision, lack of understanding. So we've got to learn some things. We've got to attack darkness in our life. Some of us have darkness in our marriage because of what you don't know. And you want to know why you don't know it? Because you don't seek it out. Remember, the Bible says seek and you'll find. Amen. How do you get a better marriage? Read a book. See, we just want to get zapped. Let me just get two of you over here. Let me lay hands on you, zap you, zap you. Now, happily married ever after. How many wish it worked like that? Shoot, I'd, I'd be lined up all the time. It don't work like that. The Bible says seek and you find. So sometimes you got to go to a ladies conference, women, and go to El Paso. Sit before some great people and pay money to do it. Amen. So you got to seek after it. Fellas, sometimes you got to go to the bookstore. Amen. Amen. Two guys said amen. Thank you, Cheeto, on that. Praise <laughs> God. We got to go to the bookstore and we got to buy a book on how to be a good husband because the only knowledge that you have is what you've seen in life. And some of us, Lord, heaven help us because the examples that we saw in our home were not good. So what do we got to do? We got to seek knowledge. Are you tracking with me today? Yeah. So this is one way we let the enemy in by not seeking after knowledge. That's why you take notes in church. That's why you listen to the podcast during the week. That's why you go after these things, because the more uh, knowledge you get, the more darkness leaves. But there are also characteristics of darkness. And this is what we started talking about a couple of weeks ago. And I gave you I'm just going to review just a little bit here. I gave you the first characteristic of, of the dark side being in your life as being selfishness. OK, selfishness. Now, this is a hard one. This is hard on everybody. It's hard on me. It's hard on my wife. It's hard on you guys. It's hard on all of us. But it's something that if we don't deal with, darkness will invade our lives and take us over. Amen. So we've got to be aware of this. I just read you from Isaiah 14. Why did Satan fall? Satan was a perfect being. Satan was says he was beautiful. He had a purpose. He covered the very throne of God, the presence of God. He was with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He was there. And then something entered into his heart. What entered into his heart was self. And he began, instead of being consumed with Jesus, he began to be consumed with what he wanted. Now, what's so profound about that? That's the same battle we all face in here every day. Every day. You, you, listen, I keep trying to point you to Jesus to get your eyes off of yourself, because if you keep looking at self, you're going to have the same result as Satan had. You're going to be cast down. And the Bible says, what good is salt after it's lost its flavor? It will be nothing but cast down and trampled over by the world. This, this, is, this, this is what describes most Christians on the planet Earth. They're getting trampled over by the world. When the Bible says we should be the ones taking dominion, having dominion, owning businesses, owning property, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. All these great things need to happen, but it doesn't happen because we're consumed with self. And so when we're consumed with self, we get the same things that Satan had. OK, so Isaiah 14, 13 and 14, it says there, I, I, I. And we talked about that. Uh, it's important to understand this, that when they came out with the satanic Bible and the man Anton LaVey, who started the satanic church and it came he tried to do everything anti-god he we put together the satanic commandments he only had one he didn't have 10 commandments so the satanic bible it says that the only commandment that you have is this do what you want 
That's in Satan's Bible. Okay? Do what you want. God has, gives us all these Ten Commandments. You're going to serve me? There's these things. Satan has one commandment. Do what you want. So what does that mean? Living in a way where you do what you want is serving Satan. Living the way you want, guess who your God is? Says it all right there. So what is our battle every day as Christians to live? What did Jesus tell us to pray? Not my will, but yours be done. As it is on earth, as it is in heaven. Okay, that's the whole focus. So when we get away from that focus and that struggle, that's when darkness comes in. And some of us have a characteristic of selfishness. Now, I need you to hear with your spiritual eyes so you don't think I'm picking on you because I have to deal with it, too. You need to hear this with your spirit because God's trying to help you. He's not po you know, poking out your weaknesses and telling you, ah, oh, you're messed up, you're messed up. He's saying, no, my son, my daughter, open your eyes, hear this word, because I'm trying to set you free, but you ain't hearing it. Yeah. And I understand this, the truth many times, as people have said, the truth hurts. Yeah. The truth, the first time we hear it, is almost always rejected. And we begin to say things, well, he don't know. Oh, that's just his opinion. Well, that's just this or that. Listen, resist that stuff and try to hear the spirit of God through the word that I'm sharing. Proverbs 18, 1, we, we, we talked about this. Uh, the unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and rages against all sound judgment. They start quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but they delight in airing their own opinions. So what are we talking about? Selfish ends. People, we, we've got to get ourselves free from selfishness in our lives. And everybody deals with it, but some of us are more selfish than others. And don't amen me there, all right? Uh, some of us have a bigger problem with it than others, okay? And if you're married, you're probably thinking the other person is your spouse right now. You're probably thinking in your head, that's right, because she, she's selfish or he's selfish. Listen, we all deal with that. But it is true. Some of us deal with it more. OK, Proverbs 18, 1 in the Message Bible says it like this. Loners who care only for themselves. Ooh, listen to this. Spit on the common good. Fools care nothing for thoughtful discourse. All they do is run off at the mouth. Now, why is this a, 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 such a big problem? Why do we want to get free from self? The reason we want to get free from self is so God's will can be done in our lives. And you say, well, pastor, why do I want God's will in my life? It's very simple because God's will is better than your will. He is your heavenly father, Abba, father, daddy, God, which means he loves you more than you love yourself. And what you think is going to be a good life pales in comparison for the life that God wants to give you. But the, the wrestling match begins is do we believe that or not? Because right. when you believe it, you lay down your life for his. When you don't believe it, you stay kicking and screaming to try to have your way through life. And you create problems, not just for yourself, but for the people around you. And so Proverbs makes it very clear. And this all lines up with the New Testament and the season and, and the dispensation that we are in right now, where God is about raising up a church. 
God is about bringing people into the kingdom. God is not interested in Elevate Life becoming a sweet place to worship on Sunday mornings as much as he wants this to be a place where every person understands the principle that I must love God and I must go out and I must bear fruit. Yes. Which means I must go out and share the Jesus that's in me. I got to give it to somebody that's hurting. And that in a week's time, a month's time, a year's time, there is another family sitting in my row because I have obeyed God and given him and shared the love of Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Churches around the world have become full of people that don't care about nobody. We just want to get blessed. And because of that, selfishness, which it gets its root in the dark side, has crept into the church. And many churches have become bless me clubs where we don't care about the community that we drive past every week. We don't care about our unsafe friends at work. We don't care about our, our classmates that are going straight down and their lives are a mess. We just can't wait to get to church and get our shout on. We just can't wait to get to church and get our praise on. Let me tell you, that is not this place. That is not what God is calling us to do here. Because we cannot sit down on these hard chairs and sit here while the rest of the world goes to hell. We must lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters out there. Can I get a good amen? amen. That's why you will never hear me preach messages on the rapture. I know they just had a movie. They, they, they made a, what was it? Left Behind Again. Again. I think it was out for like two days. Anybody here see it? I didn't get to see. I know they got, I know they got Nicholas Cage up in there, resurrected his career or tried to anyways. I didn't go see it because I have no interest in that side of things because I got work to do. And I'm not trying to get you looking up because what did the angels say uh, in, in the in the book of Acts when they were looking up at the sky? He says, why do you stand here looking up at the sky? He said, go. Go, go. Jesus told the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospels. The church is still looking up. Can't wait. We don't sing songs anymore. I'll fly away. We don't sing that. We sing go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. Why? Because that's what Jesus said to do. Now, here's the problem. Here's where the you here's the thing. You got so many people talking about the Antichrist spirit. Oh, the Antichrist, the Antichrist. Oh, he's probably in the earth today. I remember preachers just talk about that all the time. Who is the Antichrist? And then they made those movies. I remember those movies, The Omen. Remember those of the scary movies right there? That music alone in The Omen used to scare me so bad. Man, those movies where they was about the Antichrist. Listen, I doubt the Antichrist is some guy as much as it is a spirit. And what is the Antichrist spirit? Listen, selfishness. So it's safe to say some of us are flowing under a spirit that is not of Christ, but is Antichrist. And you say, well, how can you say that, Pastor? Because of what I just read to you in the Message Bible here. Loners who care only for themselves spit on the common good. Let me break this down, what this means. See, Jesus, when he left, he didn't just leave us with salvation. He left us to build and become an organization called the church. And, he's, and, 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 and the church is God's living organism in the earth that when we get saved, he puts us into. Now, is the church perfect? Absolutely not. And it'll never be perfect. And you want to know why it's not perfect? Because you're in it. Because I'm in it. And I'm not perfect. So with our imperfections, we come together for what? 
a common good. What is that common good? Lifting of others, lifting of others in here, lifting of others out there. But if you're of a selfish spirit, you spit on that common good. And maybe in your heart, you're like, well, I don't feel like doing trunk or treat. That's my night. That's a Friday night. I'm going to stay home and watch demonic, I mean, scary movies. I'm just going to sit back with my bag of popcorn and just that's my time. You know, when there's a common good going on, I just going to I just don't I don't want to do that. I don't feel like we need some help in the nursery. Well, that's too bad. I pray God sends you somebody. <laughs> Lord, help them, please send them somebody. You, you write it off as a prayer instead of saying I could do something. You know why? Why do we do that? Because the common good is being spit on by our selfish motives. Listen, there's so much to be said about the common good. And what is the enemy of the common good? The enemy of the common good is selfishness. What would happen if we were all about self in here today? Let me break it down. Let me bring it to your home. What would happen? What would happen in a marriage when two people didn't understand unity and thought they were getting married to get their own needs met? You want to know what happens then? Divorce. Because it ain't going to happen, baby. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen that your marriage is going to meet all your needs. It is not going to happen. Somebody says, I rebuke that, Pastor. It is going to meet. No, because marriage was never designed to meet all your needs. That's what Jesus is for. That's what Christ came to do. So don't resign that to your poor husband. Breaking his back, try to make you happy. But what he needs to know is you ain't never going to be happy. Let me finish. <laughs> Until you find Jesus. Because you ain't never been happy. You weren't happy because your dad left. You weren't happy when you went to school because you didn't you got picked on. You weren't happy. This, and you've learned to be in an attitude of not being happy. And then you get married and your husband's like, I'm going to make you happy, baby. And then he finds out you ain't never happy. <laughs> he cleans the house. It ain't good enough. Takes care of the kids. Well, why are they wearing that? I know I'm getting too close to home. I can hear all the, the groans and the ouches out there. But let me just help you real quick. Because, see, when you think a marriage is about getting all your needs met, you are setting yourself up to, to spit on the common good. If you think it's all about you, you can't come together and do something great. Like raise your kids. How many of us were raised in homes where mom and dad could never agree? And how did it affect us? How did, how did we feel the effects of that? In big ways. Why? So what has to happen, people? We've got to, listen, crucify self. That's what Jesus said. He said, take up your cross and follow me. No man can come after me unless they crucify themselves. He said it himself. We've got to learn that our enemy, your greatest enemy, is not Lucifer, is not Slewfoot, it's not Satan, it's not the devil, it's not the man in the red pajamas and the red horns, it's not him, it's you. It's me. My greatest enemy is Sergio Lamone. 
Your greatest enemy is you. In the words of the street prophets that I like to call the Godfellas, R.I.P. I should have had you guys do that today. R.I.P. R.I.P. says I'm killing my flesh. What's the rest of it? You got to know, bro. Come on. (laughs) Okay. Saved by the blood, and I know that I'm blessed. That's all right, bro. I put you on the spot. (laughs) He was into the word. He was, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I put him on the spot. But listen, this is important. Why is this important? Because no organization divided can stand, Jesus said. Marriage cannot stand when two people enter into the marriage thinking the goal is to get their needs met. Can't happen. Church cannot stand when every member thinks it is their job to come and get their needs met. It can't. It's not going to happen, baby. This is why churches stay small. And this is why we will not stay small. Because we can't be an organization that exists solely just for you and your family. There are going to be things that you don't like. There are going to be people, come on, that you don't like. There are going to be a lot of things that you don't like. But at the end of the day, we've got to remember it's not about you. It's about him. It's about, listen, the common good. What is the common good? To love God with all of our heart and to lift others. That's the common good. Why is that so important? Why does Satan attack the common good so much? He attacks it because there is something called a corporate blessing. And the corporate blessing is so much greater than the individual blessing. See, so many people want it. They think it's enough. You got to catch this today. They think it's enough that they get saved. They think it's enough that I have a personal relationship with Jesus, which, by the way, the word the words personal relationship never exists in the New Testament. It was not designed to be just me and Jesus. Never designed for that. The corporate blessing. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right away. He was telling us it's not just about you. It's about the body of Christ. It's all of us. We are one. And what he does to that is he attaches to it a corporate blessing. Many of you have have heard the, the, the scripture that says one of us could put a thousand to flight. Come on. Two of us can put 10,000 to flight. Now, that's always puzzled me because that's not good math. Amen. How many know that's not good math? If one puts a thousand, two should put two thousand. Not in God's math. In God's math, he gives you exponential blessing. He takes it from what it should be to what he wants it to be. So one plus one in God's kingdom doesn't equal two. 2,000, one plus one equals 10,000. You know what I call that? The corporate blessing. Most Christians just want to live under the, oh, I'm good chasing 1,000 to flight. But there's something that happens to people when they come under the corporate blessing. And the corporate blessing means you don't just get double. You get the exponential amount of what God wants you to have. So think about this. Right now in your marriage, you're both just not together, fighting all the time. 
You're mad at him because he ain't meeting your needs. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You're mad at her because she ain't doing right. She ain't giving you what you need, blah, blah, blah. As long as that division, guess what? Darkness rules. You know what Satan really wants to stop? The unity. Why does he want to destroy unity? Because then the corporate blessing cannot flow. And when the corporate blessing flows, the Bible talks about it at the, at the Tower of Babel. Okay, you read about that in Genesis chapter 11. And when God noticed that the people were all together, he said this profound statement in verse 6 of Genesis 11. He says, nothing they put their minds to do will be withheld from them. Nothing. So guess who's, guess who's in there making your marriage a mess and likes it like that? Satan. But guess who he's using? You. You, not your wife. I know some of you, my wife. Oh, yeah, yeah, me. Because some of you are real quick to blame your spouse. No, it ain't your spouse. Guess who it is? It's you. You married people right now, look at your spouse right now and say this. It's me. I'll do it too. It's me. You got to do it. My wife didn't do it. <laughs> she did like this. She did like this. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It's you. Amen? Amen. It's you. It's you. But guess who's getting the strength and keeping it like that? Satan. Because as long as you're blaming, as long as you're mad, there's no corporate blessing. Guess who suffers? You, but not only you, your kids. Guess who else suffers? Every single person that knows you. Everybody. Because you come into church with attitude. You come on the usher squad to help out. But you're in a bad mood. Because ain't no loving going on in your house. Your house is not a home. That chair is still. No, no, no. (laughs) Going into some Luther Vandross right there. It's not a home. So guess who guess who guess who suffers the consequences of the selfishness in our lives? Everybody we know. But if we could come together under a corporate blessing, the exponential power that comes into our lives is huge. It goes from a thousand to ten thousand. Put it this way. It goes from one to ten times the power, ten times the blessing. Ten times the impact. Think about your dreams and the things we're trying to accomplish for God. What is your family trying to do? Are they trying to overcome sickness? Come into agreement. That's why Jesus said, pray the prayer of agreement. Why? Because the, the corporate blessing is greater than the individual blessing. You know, that's why I don't get people that say, well, I don't go to church. I'm against organized religion. You're not getting the full thing of this thing. And I've said it here before. Come to our church because we're not that organized. (laughs) You'll fit right in. (laughs) Amen. This is a church for you. (laughs) Listen, I tell you right now, we've got to understand the corporate blessing of things. And the the enemy of that, according to what we just read in Proverbs, is selfishness. Because if you think it's all about you, you can't serve nobody. You can't help nobody. Here's another thing. You can't even be happy. You know what the biggest problem with mean people is? They're selfish. Yeah. Yeah. I got no, got no amens on that. Got a lot of yups. Yeah. 
That's all right, because you need to hear this today. If you're always angry, upset, mad, it's because you're focusing on you too much. You too much, too much. If you always got attitude, if you're always, you can't be happy. Listen, we should get up every day clicking our heels because we have Jesus Christ in our lives. You get consumed with Jesus. That's when the scriptures come alive and it says the joy of the Lord is my strength. We should get up happy because we can't lose with Christ. I can do all things through him that strengthen me. But when you're mad all the time, depressed all the time, angry all the time, that's a good sign you're focusing on you too dang much. Can I get an amen on that? Let me keep going here. So God always deals with the corporate blessing over the individual blessing. Read the whole Old Testament. Judges chapter chapter 20. What does what does what happens in that scripture there? It says that in verse eight, that God dealt with the people of Israel as one. His goal was to get them of one mind. Psalms 133 says it like this. I love this. Verse one. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It says it's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down the edge of the garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the Mount of Zion. Listen to this. For there the Lord commands the blessing. It means this. When you come in unity, God commands you to be blessed. So stop fighting in your marriage. Yeah, but, you know, he's not and she's not. And this ain't. Just stop for a moment. Stop all that and just come into agreement, even if it's over something small. Come into an agreement on it. What kind of ice cream you like? Something. (laughs) Favorite show. What you want to have for lunch? Some of us can't even agree on that. (laughs) How many have ever had a fight over that? (laughs) What you want? I don't know. What you mean you don't know? I don't know. Pick something. All right, let's go get tacos. I don't want tacos. Well, you just said you didn't care. I know I don't care, but I don't want that. Okay, how about this? Am I, are we the only one? No. We've all done that. We've all done that, okay? We've done those things. But see, what we're missing is this. There's power in unity. And there always has to be something to find ability to come under unity for. Why? Because if we can unite... God commands a blessing. And in order to unite, here's the other thing. You can't unite thinking that you got to get all your needs met. Life, this is going to help somebody, is about compromise. Always. Marriage is about compromise. Relationships are about compromise. I'm going to walk over here so she don't get in trouble. It's about compromise. (laughs) And here's the other thing. If you like getting your way all the time, please, please stay single. Stay single. Rock that single life. Okay? Put cameo on and just be blowing that in your car. I'm living the single, single. Rock that. (laughs) Listen to your music. Eat the kind of food you want to eat. Watch the kind of movies you want to watch. Spend all your money on you and what you want. But the minute you get married, you better let that go. You better change the channel. Quit bumping that song because that don't work for you. Amen. It's over, baby. It's over. 
I like what uh, Pastor Travis says in, in Jamaica. He was talking to the one of the young people that were saying, well, I can't wait to get married. And he said this. Oh, you want to get married? He said, yeah, I want to get married. He said, you ready to die? <laughs> now, he wasn't saying it. Listen, listen. He wasn't saying it in a negative sense. Like it's like so bad you might as well die. He wasn't saying it like that. He was saying it in this sense that you have to die to what you want. You have to die now to make room for your spouse. You don't always get things the way you want. Can I get a good amen? amen? You don't get to buy and shop the way you shopped when you were single. Can I get an amen on that? When you marry, you don't get to go out and just buy all the handbags and the stuff and you got kids that need shoes. That's right. That's right. And then expect your husband to just be good with it. <laughs> I'm trying to help somebody. What is this, guys? What is it? It's the self that in every stage of life has to die. There are two organizations, only two organizations in the whole world that God put his blessing on and that God created. The first one was marriage, Adam and Eve in the garden. The second one is church. Now, the church, he said, the gates of hell cannot stand against you. We're called to be a part of it. But what is the one thing that breaks up both of those things? Selfishness. Selfishness. We read about it in Isaiah. What was what was the problem with Lucifer? It said there and it points out this, that even in Lucifer's cases, he was around the throne. It said it was his trading that caused him to be full of self. And that always puzzled me. I'm like, what 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 does that mean? Trading? What was he trading? God. And I began to look that up in the Hebrew and do some research about why was that so bad? What was he trading? And it basically comes down to this. What Satan was doing was using his gifts his talents, his abilities for himself. Trying to, trying to get things by using what he had himself. Like I told you last week, the things that kill selfishness the greatest are serving, sacrifice, and submission. Yeah. Serving, sacrifice, and submission. If I get away from these three things, my life goes down. That's why I have a pastor. That's why we have people that we answer to. Because if I stop serving, sacrificing, and submitting, guess what comes into my life and will dominate me? Darkness. Now, I might get what I want, but what I want will take me down. People, those three areas keep us. We've got to learn to lose the slave mentality. The slave mentality is just tired of people telling it what to do. They don't want to listen to nobody. The slave mentality wants what it wants because it wants it. We've got to learn to lay that on the altar of Jesus Christ and come into the place where he is our Lord, not just our Savior. He's our Lord. And if he's our Lord in the kingdom, what do we say? The king owns everything. It means he owns your life. If we're going to be successful in any endeavor, we've got to learn that it's not about us. The best employees on your job are the, are the people that are there to serve and to, and to not cause problems. The worst employees on your job, think about it right now, who they are, are the people that are the most selfish. They're the people that are going to the lunchroom and eat somebody else's lunch. <laughs> they're the people that won't fill the copier back up when they're done with it. 
They're the people that come late and you can't leave till the next staff person gets there. But they're always late, 20 minutes. So you got to wait. See, the selfishness destroys any and every organization. And you better understand it destroys a family and a marriage the same way. But not only does it do that, guys, listen, it destroys our church. Don't destroy the bride of Christ because you're selfish. Don't do that. And then expect, listen, listen, and then expect God's blessing to be upon you. It doesn't work like that. What kind of man would I be letting you tear up my wife, smack her in the face and then just be like, oh, but I love you anyway. It's all good. I forgive you for beating on my wife. Would I be a good husband? But why do we expect Jesus to allow his bride to be damaged by gossip, by division, by I'm leaving this church. I'm going to start another one by all these things and then come to him and be like, hey, Jesus, bless me. Forgive me for doing that. I'm not going to go repent for it, but forgive me for doing it. It don't work that way. It don't work. I wouldn't be a good husband doing that. You know what a good husband would do? Defend his bride. Amen? Amen. Defend his bride. Jesus, the Bible says, is a great husbandman to the bride of Christ. Guess what he's going to do? Defend his bride. Well, pastor, are you saying God is going to uh, 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 destroy my life? I'm not saying that. All curses were his anger has been satisfied. But I am saying this. The Bible is clear. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So we have to always understand the worst enemy in your life is you. It's you. You're messing up your marriage. You're doing it. You're messing things up for your kids. As long as you're on the throne of self, the gateway to darkness, people, is self. And we can't be like Satan and just be about serving. Listen, only when it benefits us, because that's what Lucifer did there when he talks about trading. You know, there are some people in churches, they won't serve unless they're getting something out of it. They won't yield their gift unless you give them something. Now, that may be how we operate in the system of the world. But if you're going to come into this kingdom thing, we've got to understand my gifts are not my own. I give them where God wants me to give them. I serve where God wants me to serve. I do what God wants me to do with these things. And what happens? The common good gets established. Let me leave you with this last scripture here in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 21. I didn't give this to the guys because God shifted some things in my spirit this morning uh, at, at home. Ephesians chapter 3, 14, 21 says this. For this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ from the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you. Listen, according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being grounded, being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, depth and height to know that the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, listen to this. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. 
Now, a lot of Christians like that verse 20 here. Okay, let me read this to you again. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. A lot of Christians run around quoting that thing. But what they're doing is they're taking that out of context. Because if you're going to get the exceeding abundant blessing of God in your life, you got to do Ephesians 3, 14 through 20, which says this, be in the unity of the spirit of Christ with the church. The commanded blessing, the corporate blessing is only found when we're in unity together. That's what's so powerful about becoming a member of the church of a church, I should say. It's important. It's important to find a covenant body that God wants you to be in so that he can throw on your life as you submit, serve and sacrifice the commanded blessing to where your life goes from being able to chase a thousand to ten thousand for your life goes to be able to chase away a headache to heal cancer. See, the blessing jumps up when you find your place in the corporate blessing of community. It expands. You might not care now, but if you got a bad doctor's report, you'd care. Because sometimes it ain't sometimes my faith ain't enough. I need the prayers of my church praying to bind up cancer. I need it to take out epilepsy and the things that we've seen God do here with uh, uh, with Jocelyn last year. Man, she you know, she has not had a seizure. And I don't know how many years now she dealt with that her entire life. And what happened? The church came together. Unity came together and we chased that spirit out of her life. Yeah, that God used the doctors and all those things. But the corporate blessing did what her faith alone couldn't do. Listen, what can the corporate blessing do in your life? Maybe you couldn't chase addiction on your own. I've been fighting addiction all my life. It's just the same thing. And now you've just settled into it. What would happen if we could get you into the corporate blessing where you start serving, submitting and sacrificing for a common good? I'll tell you what will happen. What you couldn't do on your own. God comes in and does the thousand that you can chase. Now, 10,000 leave your life and you get set free. But if you're going to be able to do that, you got to deny self. You got to serve, sacrifice. What's the last one? Submit. Submit. <laughs> Went blank right there for a minute. <laughs> Amen. See, that's for the corporate blessing. They bailed me out. Thank you so much. Thank you. So- Glad I'm in a corporate blessing right there. Are you guys catching this? As long as we're divided, darkness rules. Who does it rule? Your life. You guys got to catch this. Let's stand on our feet. Help me on the keys right here. I want to pray for our marriages this morning. I feel I feel this. The enemy that you thought you had isn't the enemy that you should be fighting. As you're standing, I want to read this last scripture to you. It's what Jesus said. He made it very clear here. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 21 through 25. I just want you to listen. It says this from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed and then be raised the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Jesus did. And he said, get behind me, Satan. 
you're an offense to me. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Then Jesus says this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you know what that means? It means if we're going to live for Jesus, it can't be about us. Church is not just about you getting all your needs met. Being a parent is not about getting your needs met. Being married is not about getting all your needs met. People, you've got to see it this morning. Let the Lord show you a mirror that the thing that you're fighting, the people you're fighting, stop fighting them and start fighting the inward battle. The inward battle to learn to live a life of serving, submitting, and sacrifice. Submit to your bosses. Submit to your spouses. Submit where there's leaders in your life. Submit. As long as you keep, well, I don't, well, I don't agree. Well, I don't this, well, I don't that. It's not to say that you can't have an opinion and voice it. But at the end of the day, allow God to lead you so that you can be led out of darkness. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning, Lord God, that as we expose the real enemy in our lives, people wouldn't resist Lord, let's get real in your presence this morning. Let's get real. Let's not walk out of here thinking, well, I don't know about that. Let's, let's look at this hard truth in the face and see that my problems aren't because of anybody else. Problems are because of me. I want to lift up the, the marriages right now. If you're married and here with your spouse, just take their hand right now. Father, I just pray over our married couples right now that the strife that's in the home because each person keeps pointing at the other and pointing out their faults and pointing out their mistakes and, and, and seeing all that. Father, we just destroy that picture right now and let there be a release of grace and a common good being unified that even if, even though I should say, our spouses are not perfect, we decide, we choose love anyway. And we choose to unite, unite around you and the common good, Father. And we just break the deception right now over, over married couples that are thinking it's the other person. Lord, let us take a long look in the mirror Father, when we change, everything changes. We break the words of blame right now. And this is for everybody here. Some of us are blaming, blaming, blaming. The Bible's clear that blaming is the language of slaves. If you're, not, if you're blaming, you're not changing. Take away the blame. We just right now remove the yokes of blame. Some of you are blaming your mom, your dad. You're blaming your leaders. You're blaming your pastor. You're blaming your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You're blaming your spouse. Right now, we just shut down that voice of blame. We are not victims to what somebody does to us. But Father, we look towards you. 
And we take up your yoke, and it's easy, and your burden, and it's light. We look in the mirror, Lord, and we cry out. And we say, Father, we ask that you move in our lives right now. Just take a moment in the presence of God. His presence is here right now. I just want you to just pray. Married couples, just pray right now for one another. Pray for your spouse. But right now, every person here, just begin to cry out for God's help in your life. Lord, help us overcome selfishness in our lives. Help us lay down our lives for a common good. Help us be unified in this church around loving you and lifting our community, Father. Help us to put aside the things we want for the things that you want, Lord God. Let darkness leave our lives as we embrace a common good. I just feel in my spirit, some of you um, who are married have resolved to just be happy or have resolved to accept that it's never gonna get any better. And that's not God's will, that's not God's plan and not God's purpose. I know some of you have struggled and have gone through some difficult things because of what we've experienced as, as children, because of what past relationships have done to us, and it's been difficult to break out of that. It's been difficult. You want to, but it's been difficult. And so we've resolved. It's just never gonna get any better. And I'm just gonna accept this, but that's not God's plan for you. It's that same principle on that God can reap where he's not sown. And if you, by faith, choose to accept that you've gotta change, that God can make things better in your marriage and he wants that. He wants your desires for your marriage to be fulfilled. He wants those desires. I've experienced that same thing and feeling like I just can't give him what he needs because I don't know how. I don't know how. And so I just have to resolve that this is the way it's gonna be for the rest of our lives. But that's not God's will. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. It says that he desires to give us the desires of our hearts. And so I just feel specifically for marriages right now. If that's you, if you've resolved, if you guys could bow your heads for me just so we can protect. If you feel like you've resolved to just accept that that's the way it's gonna be, let us pray with you. Let us lay our hands with you and in faith together that corporate, that corporate blessing, we wanna lay our hands on you and believe for change and for your desires to be met. Amen, praise God right now. So anybody just around the married couples, let's just do it this way. Anybody around them, just, just surround them. Just lay a hand on them real quick and just pray for them right now. Father, we just thank you for new seasons of worship, uh, of new seasons of marriage right now around these couples, Lord God. New seasons that things will get better. Things will change. We prophesy change over our married couples. We bless them right now, Father. We bless these married couples, Lord, that they can experience your corporate blessing in their life as they come into agreement, as they agree, as strife leaves, as division leaves. Lord, let the blessing of God come into them as they come into agree agreement, as they serve each other, as they submit to each other. Father God, oh, Father, and as, as, as they sacrifice for one another, bring in them, Lord Jesus, the blessing, the corporate blessing for their families, for their children. We just declare intimacy to be restored in their life sexual intimacy we declare right now even mental intimacy 
emotional intimacy, command that to come back, that agreement to come there. We bless them right now. In Jesus' name. And one last thing, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're not serving God and you're trying to do this thing all on your own, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm ready. I know, I know I need to quit being selfish. I need to get in this thing. I need to be a part of a corporate blessing. And first and foremost, you know you're ready. You need to start serving Jesus. And you're saying, Pastor, I'm ready to do that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just so you can just be in a private moment right now. If that's you, you're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus for real today. Why don't you just slip up a hand? I want to just pray with you. If there's anybody here like that, anybody here, Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you right now. 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 Father, we just pray. Anybody else? Anybody else? just want to get right, get God, get things right today. Anybody else? Come on down. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anybody else just want to get in on this blessing right now? Hallelujah.